The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to the financial physician, Lou Scatigna here. We get together each and every Wednesday, 4 p.m. on the East Coast, 1 p.m. on the West Coast to talk about money, politics, and markets, and uh, they all go together, and uh, obviously markets are moving uh, quite volatile uh, in a, quite a volatile manner based on what's ha- coming out of Washington, which kind of blows your mind uh, about just how dysfunctional our government has become. And it's really embarrassing. It is absolutely quite embarrassing as an American uh, to watch this spectacle go on in Washington uh, with the government shutdown, with the discussion over the debt ceiling. Uh, with the refusal of the Democrats and the president to negotiate at all, uh, with the Republicans uh, looking like they're going to take it down to the at least the 11th hour as far as the debt ceiling goes, and really the way that uh, this administration is using uh, the government shutdown in, in very interesting ways to inflict the most amount of pain possible uh, on the people in this country, and, and usually the most vulnerable people in this country. Now, uh, Yesterday, the president came out and uh, after uh, calling John Boehner uh, earlier in the day uh, to basically tell him that, hey, I'm not going to negotiate with you on anything, uh, which what was the purpose of that phone call? I mean, that's what he said prior to that phone call. I mean, what's the purpose of calling uh, the Speaker of the House if you don't want to try to work out something to get out of the situation? But uh, the president did come out again later in the day and had a, a over an hour long press conference basically saying the same thing. Uh, that I'm willing to negotiate, he said, uh, but only after you give me everything I want, which is mainly uh, a clean budget resolution, meaning with no Obamacare restrictions in it, and raising the debt ceiling at least a trillion dollars through uh, next year's elections. And his view was, well, you know, I'll negotiate after that. Well, he wants to negotiate after uh, all the negotiating chips uh, that the Republicans have to play are gone. Because this president uh, and, and the Democrats in the Senate uh, will not do anything to cut spending, will not do anything to restrict Obamacare uh, unless there is leverage against them. And that's why people you know, people can argue whether or not it was smart or not. 
for the Republicans to uh, uh, to uh, shut down the government. If indeed it is them that did it, uh, I'll tell you later on that I don't believe it is them that did it. Uh, and uh, there's a very uh, smart and influential guy who explains why it's really not the Republicans that did this. Uh, and uh, but it's it's wrecking havoc in the country right now. Let's face it, eighty five percent of the government is still open. It's only fifteen percent of the government's closed. So what is closed? Well, all our national parks and all our war monuments, uh, the Capitol Mall at times, uh, the view of Mount Rushmore. You can't stop and even pull your car over and get out of it and look at Mount Rushmore. Now, all these things really have nothing to do with money. As a matter of fact, to prevent people from going to these monuments and these open-air areas, it's costing money. And that's the irony of this. And, and it looks like uh, the, the administration is trying to inflict the most pain possible on the people. And maybe they think that's, uh, that's politically savvy. I don't think it is. Uh, I think people are quite outraged at some of this. L- l- listen to this. A Yellowstone tour guide accused the National Park Service of using Gestapo tactics while shutting down the park after armed rangers locked a group of terrified senior citizens inside their hotel for many hours to prevent them from visiting nearby attractions. It's outrageous what's being done here. The Lawrence, Massachusetts Eagle Tribune reports that the rangers also prevented the group from taking pictures of wildlife and from stopping at a rest facility during their departure forcing seniors to wait well over two hours before using the restroom. I mean, this is outrageous. And when the government shutdown took effect on October 1st, um, this group of about four dozen senior citizens had just arrived at Yellowstone. Although many tourists were already being shuttled out of the park, rangers allowed the tour a two-day extension due to their prepaid hotel reservations. What looked like a generous exception, however, turned to be an, soon turned out to be a nightmare. As the bus made its way into the park, the group stopped to take pictures of large bison uh, that was herding nearby, and uh, a ranger quickly appeared, ordering the tourists to stop recreating and return to the bus. When the group's uh, tour guide protested, the ranger became angry. Quote, she responded and said, sir, you are recreating, and her tone became very aggressive. We paid a lot to get in tour guide said um he said all these people wanted to do was take some pictures uh the seniors were sent to the old faithful inn a ritzy hotel located next to the famous old faithful geyser immediately upon their arrival armed rangers locked the inn's doors and stood guard outside to prevent the group from visiting the geyser which was already barricaded quote they look like hulk hogan's armed the guide said they told us you can't go outside Some of the Asians who were on the tour said, oh my God, are we under arrest? They felt like they were criminals. On October 3rd, after many hours under quarantine inside the lodge, the senior citizens were piled onto a bus for a two and a half hour ride out of the park. Although the tour guide had planned a brief stop to allow the seniors to comfortably use the restroom, threats by the park service to pull the facility's operating license if they catered to the tourist, forced the group to wait until outside the park's borders. 
so this is what's going on out there. There's absolutely no reason to terrorize those people. There really wasn't. So what's closed? Well, National Park and Monuments, you've heard the story about World War II veterans who are, are visiting uh, the World War II Memorial. I've been there. It's an open-air memorial. It's not like you're walking into a building or anything. It's huge. It's right on the mall. It's in between the Washington Monument and, and the reflecting pool. It's just a walk. You walk through it. You know, There's, there's, there's plaques and everything. It's, it's, it's quite a beautiful thing. But they spent money to put barricades around it just so people can't get in. Now, you've heard the story of congressmen showing up and moving to barricades, and these guys in their wheelchairs went in. Uh, but this is harassment. These are people from the greatest generations that sacrificed almost everything to keep our country free. And what a damn shame that they can't even go see their own memorial. And again, it's done, it's done in spite. This is a spiteful, petty act because it doesn't have to be done. It costs money for the barricades, and it costs money for all these police to keep these people out. Same is true of the Vietnam Memorial. Iwo Jima, and even in Mount Rushmore, you can't pull your car over on the side of the highway to look at Mount Rushmore from miles away. They've put cones there to prevent you from doing it. Now tell me, what purpose does that serve in a government shutdown? That people can't look. Again, this is done to inflict the most amount of pain on the most amount of people. Other prohibitions. Catholic military chaplains and priests are prohibited from conducting religious uh, ceremonies on Sundays while the government's closed. They can't, they can't perform mass on Sunday. It's outrageous. It's beyond outrageous. But again, this is something that uh, doesn't surprise me with this administration. They can't conduct religious services. Then we heard another outrageous thing regarding this shutdown. The Department of Defense is not paying death benefits to soldiers recently killed in Afghanistan. Apparently, uh, each family gets $100,000 when someone dies overseas. And part of that's used for funeral expenses, take care of the family. Well, the military is not paying that. Again, another outrageous slap in the face to our military. First, they do the veterans, going all the way back to World War II, by not allowing them into their own memorials. Uh, and then they don't pay out death benefits to the families uh, of brave uh, soldiers killed in action. It, it, how, how much more disgraceful can this administration get? Oh, yes. Also, they closed down the Amber Alert system. The Amber Alert system when a child is kidnapped so uh, communications can go around the country looking for a car or whatever. Shut that down. What is open? 85% of the government is open, including uh, Michelle Obama's website, Get Moving, so you could lose weight. That website could stay open, but the Amber Alert system cannot. Oh, the mall could be open for certain people. There was an amnesty march and, and protest, uh, an immigration protest. Again, these are pro-immigration people. And they were allowed to use the mall because, quote-unquote, it's free speech. And um, Nancy Pelosi went there and spoke. Oh, also, yeah, the congressional gym is open. You know, no pain there. So this is what we're looking at here with this government shutdown. It is a joke. The world has not collapsed during the shutdown. 
essential government services are still running. But things that can make that are the most outrageous and political are taking place. Now, it looks like this uh, shutdown now is going to be melded into the debt ceiling issue, uh, which has to be settled by next Thursday, October 17th. That's the drop-dead date for the debt ceiling to be increased. Or what? Well, the president came out and, and gave an hour speech, and he said that, uh, that this means America will default. And it means nothing like that. The United States will not default if the debt ceiling is not raised. A default means failure to pay the interest and principal on debt that matures. Now, it's only about $20 billion a month, the interest on our debt only, but $20 billion a month. We take in over $200 billion a month in taxes, and that won't change because we don't raise the debt ceiling. But the president goes out there in front of the American people and for an hour lies to us and tells us that we will default if the debt ceiling isn't increased. By law, we can't default. It's the first thing that has to be paid is the interest on the debt. We have the money to do it. We just may not have money for other things that the government wants to spend money on. And you won't believe what the president said. The president said that raising the debt ceiling does, is not going to increase the debt. I almost fell off my chair when I heard this. Now, you want to talk about a lie, a straight-out lie. What's the purpose of raising the debt ceiling, the amount of debt the country can incur, if you're not going to increase the debt? The minute the debt ceiling is increased, there'll be about $300 billion in additional debt on the books that's being pushed around due to accounting over the last four or five months. So it, it's really a disgrace. The shutdown is a disgrace. The, the beha behavior of this administration and the president himself is a disgrace, as is the behavior of Congress in general. More on that on the other side of the break. Our phone number is 866-472-5790 if you want to be part of the program. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. We'll be back right after these messages. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? 
The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free. 1-866-472-5790. Once again, here's Lou. All right. Before the break, we're talking about uh, the standoff in Washington, our dysfunctional government, um, the pettiness of uh, the administration and closing national parks and, and and war memorials and stuff. Things are not uh, big issues and don't cost any money, but just inflict pain on people. Terrorizing senior citizens in Yosemite uh, and basically turning uh, the Park Service uh, into the Gestapo. And uh, we also talked about how disingenuous uh, the president's press conference was yesterday. It took everything in me not to turn it off. Because I tend to do that. When he comes on, I tend to turn it off. I just, I just can't take it. But uh, I wanted to hear what he had to say, you know, and this is an important issue. And I've never seen a president that is so uh, biased and partisan. I mean, he's calling out senators. He's calling out the Republican Party by name. I mean, this isn't done. Uh, Britt Hume was, uh, was speaking yesterday about it. He says he's never seen it in his entire career. The disrespect for the other party by a sitting president. And he used such uh, volatile words, you know, in his opening remarks, calling, uh, calling this a nuclear bomb that the Republicans want to drop. Hold hostage the country. Um, the American people don't get to demand a ransom when they have to pay their mortgage. Now, whenever we've had a debt ceiling issue, and the whole debt ceiling is a joke. Because it's been raised 74 times. So, I mean, I, I haven't raised my ceiling at all once, uh, let alone 74 times. So it's kind of a misnomer, the debt ceiling. But the theory simply is, is it gives um, uh, Congress some way to rein in uh, an administration or a party uh, that's spending us into bankruptcy. Hasn't really worked because sooner or later the, the ceiling's always raised anyway. A lot of dramatics, a lot of theater, theater going into it. But this time seems a little bit different. It looks like these guys are going to do it. And I see these guys. I ain't saying the Republicans. I'm saying them all. I'm saying the president. I'm saying the Republicans. The Democrats are going to do it. And what's most hypocritical about this, um, Obama voted twice against raising the debt ceiling when he was a senator. He did it once in March of 2006 and again in September of 2007, saying it was irresponsible, it's putting debt on our kids, uh, and that's when our debt was $9 trillion. Now it's 17 And now uh, Congress is uh, holding the country uh, hostage, our terrorists, 
And that's what gets, I think that's what gets everybody about politics is whatever is politically uh, expedient for you, uh, whether you're, your party's in office or whether you're the president uh, in office, you know, you, you change the way your values are to fit the national narrative at the time of the politics, you know. And again, people don't believe me. I'll, I'll play it later. But when he said that, you know, just because this is a quote, just because we raise the debt limit doesn't mean we're going to go into more debt. I, I, why are you fighting over the debt limit so much? Calling the Republicans terrorists, talking about a default, if we're not going to go into more debt. That's the whole purpose of raising the debt limit. I mean, it blew my mind when he said that. Who is he talking to? And that's the thing about this administration and this president, is that they know they're lying, but they think that most people are dumb and don't know any better. So if we say the lie, and again, this is propaganda. This is Goebbels in, in, in Nazi Germany. Just say the lie enough times and more, most people will believe it. Even though most people with half a brain know he's lying. They don't care. And I'll play, I'll play it for you, you know, later. Uh, you'll, you'll listen to the soundbite on this. And if we don't raise the debt limit, we will not be able to pay our bills. Sure we will. Sure we will. Be able to pay our bills. Not all of them, maybe. Maybe uh, some we won't be able to. Maybe that's fine. Maybe that's what we need to cut. And look, the debt ceiling is going to be raised. And my guess is that it's probably going to be kicked down the, the highway for a few weeks just to buy time. Because both sides are so dug in right now. Uh, I mean, we can't have this crisis. The markets will tank. And for the most part, the markets have held up pretty well until recently, thinking that, you know, look, this is theater. You know, it happens. And uh, sooner or later, though, they'll, they'll do what they have to do to raise the debt limit. And they will. But not after all kinds of problems. Now, if you remember, the last time we went through this debt limit argument was uh, where it came down to the wire was August of 2011. And shortly thereafter, when they finally raised it, uh, S&P lowered uh, our AAA rating. Is that going to happen this time? I doubt it because S&P got sued by the government shortly thereafter on something else uh, uh, as if there was, no, um, there was no connection. But the key here for the president to go out there and scaremonger and, and, and tell the world that the U.S. would default on its debt if we don't raise the debt ceiling is totally inaccurate, disingenuous, and an outright lie, and he knows it. But he figures most people will believe it. The president said it. Got to be true. At least the people that follow him. Now, this game in Washington, I mean, obviously, everybody I talk to is disgusted. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter. We're just disgusted that this country has a political class right now that thinks of their own power, their own electability, and don't give a crap about the country in uh, as a whole. It was just announced in a recent poll. Approval rating of Congress, 5%. 5%. I wonder who these 5% are. Probably children of congressmen and senators. Who are these 5% that approve? But it's abysmally low. And that's because people have had it with this government. 
And uh, it's not just Americans who are upset about uh, this talk about a debt ceiling uh, and, and, and a shutdown. China came out this week, came out Monday, and urged the United States to take decisive steps to avoid a debt crisis and, and ensure the safety of Chinese investments. China, who is the U.S.'s largest creditor, is, quote, naturally concerned about developments in the U.S. fiscal cliff. Vice Finance Minister, I'm not even going to try to say his name. I did try it. Um, uh, and he said the Chinese government first public response uh, to the October 17th deadline in the United States for raising the debt limit. Quote, the United States is totally clear about China's concerns about the fiscal cliff. And he added that Washington and Beijing have been in touch over the issue, which means the Chinese called us and said, hey, we're your banker. This isn't good for us. Uh, and get your act together. Quote, we ask the United States earnestly to earnestly take steps to resolve in a timely way before October 17th the political issues around the debt ceiling and prevent a U.S. debt default to ensure a safety of Chinese investments in the United States and the global economic recovery. This is the United States' responsibility. We hope the United States fully understands the lessons of history. Referring to a deadlock in 2011 that led to a downgrade of the U.S. credit rating um, to AA plus from AAA. So the Chinese, our banker, who owns uh, a bunch, the most of our debt, uh, is telling us how to behave. And we also got that call from Japan as well, which is our second largest debtor. Hey, maybe uh, maybe uh, Congress uh, should have got China's approval before shutting down the government. Um, and it's clear that the Chinese are watching this closely. I mean, look, you know, they have so much money in our debt that they're at risk. If the bond market collapses or even just goes down, interest rates go up. If the dollar goes down, they own dollar-denominated securities. They're at risk. And uh, they don't like it. At the end of July, last month, which uh, we have any numbers on, uh, it had $1.27 trillion in U.S. Treasuries. That's what they owned. And this came from our trade deficit. You know, we're sending all our money over there to all their manufacturing and their shops to build uh, iPhones and iPads and so forth. And that money uh, wound its way into Treasuries. And um, China is way in front of second place Japan, uh, who is about um, $142 billion behind them. Now, Chinese and to a certain extent Japan have stopped buying our treasuries. And in some cases have been selling them. And who's been, had to make up the slack? The Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has bought about 85% of all treasuries issued this year. Why? Because the demand from China isn't there anymore. Demand from Russia isn't there anymore. So that means that the Fed has to continue quantitative easing and continue to buy $85 billion worth of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities every month. And the whole talk of taper and all that garbage, uh, that was for the birds. And we saw when Ben Bernanke announced two weeks ago that uh, they delay taper. Maybe it'll be the end of the year. Maybe the beginning of next year. They're never going to be able to do it. 
Nothing like that is going to happen. And, you know, some people are saying that, hey, you know, Chinese, they could say or, or pull the nuclear option. What's the nuclear option? Just dump our treasuries in mass and say the heck with the United States. Have interest rates skyrocket, have the dollar plummet, and put us into a depression. And all it takes is a keystroke, my friends. And I've said for many, many years on this program that the, the, the debt that the Chinese have over us and our trade deficit with them was not only an economic issue, it was a national security issue. Because at any time, they could hit that button. Now, some people say, well, they'd be hurting themselves. Yeah, short term, they would be. But communist and dictatorial regimes don't really care too much about that stuff. If they could take their enemy and flush him down the economic toilet with a keystroke, they may do that sometime. Maybe not now, but sometime in the future. Also, I said, look at the bond market. What we saw happen this week, uh, there was a treasury auction. I think it was Monday. It drew a yield, a one-year treasury, one-year T-bill, drew a yield of uh, 35 uh, one-hundredths of one percent. Sounds like a little bit, but that's the highest rate we've seen since the Lehman Brothers collapse back in 2008. It's been something that's been 0.12 prior to the last week or so. So looking at the increased yield in treasury bonds and treasury bills is a really concerning factor. And if we go over the cliff and we do not extend the debt ceiling, you could see that become even worse. Now, yesterday, the stock market was down with something like 160 points as people started to realize that, hey, you know, these idiots may really do this. And then after listening to Obama come out and say he's not negotiating until the Republicans totally surrender, then they'll negotiate when there's nothing at stake, uh, the market started to tank even more. And we're going to have tremendous volatility in these markets uh, unless we see some kind of political solution uh, that's at least palatable to both sides. All right, time for another break. 866-472-5790 is the phone number. My email address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on Voice America's business channel. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. 
Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Gatigna? Call him now. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790, or email the show. Here's the address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, welcome back to this thing of ours called The Financial Physician. Lou Skatikny here. We get together each and every Wednesday for uh, an hour of uh, money talk and talk about politics, markets, things that affect your financial life and Always love your phone calls. Phone number is 866-472-5790. Email address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. And, and you got to go to the, the website, uh, thefinancialphysician.com. Go to my blog. Uh, I try to update it as much as I can and try to keep you informed on what's going on. And not the things you're going to hear on MSNBC or ABC or even Fox. You're going to hear things uh, and read things. I put videos up. I, I put articles up. I write my own articles uh, that I can't cover here in one hour a week. You know, it's there, and you'll, it'll keep you informed. Uh, plus, we have a link to the archives that are shown and all that kind of good stuff. That's the financialphysician.com. Now, I just received an email in the break from a guy who says, you can't be I, – I, I didn't see this. Are you really trying to tell me that Obama told the world that uh, – if we raise the debt ceiling, it doesn't mean we're going to raise the country's debt. And the answer is he actually said it. And I'm going to play the soundbite for you. And like I said, I almost fell off my chair to think that this president, first of all, you know he doesn't believe it. He's lying. There's no, and if he believes it, then the guy shouldn't be where he is. The guy should be uh, community organizing somewhere in Chicago, or he should be there anyway. Uh, but we know he doesn't believe this because if he believed it, uh, I mean, it would just be total ignorance on his part. He knows better. So listen to what he had to say. Vote to meet our country's commitments. Pay our bills. Raise the debt ceiling. Because as reckless as a government shutdown is, the economic shutdown caused by America defaulting would be dramatically worse. And I want to talk about this for a minute because uh, even though people can see and feel the effects of a government shutdown, they're already experiencing it right now. There are still some people out there who don't believe that default is a real thing. And we've been hearing that from some Republicans in Congress, that default would not be a big deal. So let me explain this. If Congress refuses to raise what's called the debt ceiling, America would not be able to meet all of our financial obligations. All right, now he's talking about the debt ceiling, and I had you queued up a little bit wrong. Uh, we'll get to it here. Um, My suggestion to the speaker has been and will continue to be. Let's stop the excuses. Let's take a vote in the House. 
Let's end this shutdown right now. Let's put people back to work. There are enough reasonable Republicans and Democrats in the House who are willing to vote yes on a budget that the Senate has already passed. That vote could take place today. Shutdown would be over. Then serious negotiations could proceed around every item in the budget. I thought I queued it up right. I mean, I'm going to find it. It's got to be right here. Um, now people can believe, not going to believe me. Oh, here we go. If the entire basis of the Republican strategy is we're going to shut down the government or cause economic chaos if we don't get 100% of what we want. So my suggestion to the Speaker has been and will continue to be. Let's stop the excuses. Let's take a vote in the House. Let's end this shutdown right now. Let's put people back to work. There are enough reasonable Republicans and Democrats in the House who are willing to vote yes on a... Oh, I missed the cue. I know. I'll find a few on the break if I can. But he's, trust me, he did say it. And that's exactly what he said. And um, uh, I'm sorry I screwed up on that for you. But anyway, he did say it. And it, it's the most outrageous. He said, he said a, an hour of outrageous things, uh, many of which uh, were not true. Uh, I would say most of which was not true, but he said it anyway. And you know what was interesting about that news conference? A, and this is causing quite quite a, an issue amongst the, the White House press corps, is that he didn't pick, and he was there for an hour, and I think there was 10 questions asked. He didn't pick one reporter from ABC, CBS, CNN, NBC, MSNBC, or Fox News. All the questions were directed to Huffington Post, uh, a French news agency, an English news agency, Associated Press, Reuters, and I think uh, my hometown, Jackson Township uh, High School newspaper. Those were the people he, he, he called on. Now, towards the end of the news conference, uh, the bigwigs in the House press corps were getting a little upset with him. They were starting to, you know, hey, hey, you know, and he says, hey, look, uh, uh, I got a list here. You know, you have a problem, talk to Jay Carney about it. So this was purposely. They were trying to avoid the mainstream media because they knew that there would most likely be a question, and there was not one, on the failure of the launch of Obamacare. How all these websites are down, nobody's signing up, and what a disaster it is. And let's face it, I mean, this whole government shutdown and debt crisis ceiling would all go away if the president delayed the individual mandate to buy insurance for one year, just like he did with corporations. I mean, that would all go away, but he don't want to do it. And he has his reasoning. But we could see what's happening uh, uh, with the first week or two of, of, of this ability to sign up for it. it. It's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster, unmitigated, and everybody knows it. And on a news conference, uh, the week of the big launch of the biggest thing he's done as president, his legislative victory, if you want to call it that, and not one question on Obamacare because it's failing. And uh, I think we're going to start seeing the press turn a little bit on this president. They say this uh, administration is the most secretive. It uh, has, uh, you know, typically uh, reporters have sources within an administration and they get off the record, you know, information. 
presidents clamped down on that like no other administration before him. So they're very secretive of what goes on in the White House. And uh, if he loses the press, you know, he's in big trouble. Now let's shift gears a little bit. It was announced today, just to, before we went on the air, uh, that there's going to be a new Fed chairperson. In this case, it's going to be a chairwoman, the first chairwoman of the Federal Reserve. Her name's Janet Yellen. And uh, she'll take over the Federal Reserve and be the master of all of our lives uh, starting January, I think sometime in January. And the market kind of liked this because she's known as a dove uh, uh, on the the Federal Open Market Committee that sets interest rates and quantitative easing policy and printing of money. And although she's she's been on the Fed for a real long time and she's very well respected, Uh, uh, but, you know, she's been a hawk. A hawk at times mean that you want to battle inflation, so you're going to raise interest rates to slow down the economy. Uh, but most of the time, she's been a dove, meaning that she wants interest rates low. She wants to stimulate the economy. So the fact that she is being uh, nominated and she will pass easily um, Congress, uh, the markets went up saying, okay, we got more money printing coming our way, more quantitative easing. And I said it doesn't really matter because uh, it's going to happen anyway. It has to. It has to. This, as I said earlier, the Chinese aren't buying our bonds. Japanese aren't buying our treasury bonds. The only one buying the treasury bonds is the Federal Reserve. And if they're the only ones buying it, they can't stop. Otherwise, interest rates will go up dramatically. And um, the economy will go in the toilet. And, you know, just the talk of, of, of ending uh, or tapering uh, quantitative easing um, – just the talk of it, it, it caused interest rates to double on a 10-year treasury. It caused stocks to go all kinds of places. And ironically, the reason why the Fed said they couldn't end taper, start tapering was because interest rates went up and it's affecting mortgages in the housing market. So it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, Ben Bernanke comes out in June and says we may start tapering later in the year. It has an adverse effect on the bond market. Just the talk that we may – Causing interest rates to go up, the economy to slow, and the housing market to implode, and the Fed saying we can't do that because because uh, um, mortgage rates in the economy are slowing down. It, it's just incredible. I mean, the the, the Fed kind of plays everybody and you know tries to get the market ready for certain things, uh, and then what happens is it backs away from it. It's it's really quite quite remarkable. Now, I don't know if you saw this. I mean, uh, again, Obamacare is the whole other big issue here. I mean, we're talking about we're in this crisis mode right now because of uh, the shutdown of the government and the concern that um, we're going to have the debt ceiling not to be increased and we'll have all kinds of financial mayhem and and havoc and and so forth. Uh, It's causing all kinds of volatility in markets. But the real big driving force here is Obamacare. It's so complicated and so many people don't know how, how to even apply. And that's, you know, that's, you know, 85% isn't going to affect you right now because you have insurance at work or whatever. But what's going to affect you is in premiums for everybody is going to go up. And my premiums and my group plan have gone up 50% in the last two years since Obamacare has been approved. It hasn't even been implemented yet. And this whole thing was for the insurance companies. And you're going to see what's going to happen. This whole thing is going to blow up. And the whole goal here is to get the single-payer plan 
where no insurance companies are involved, the government pays it all, kind of like Medicare. And that's where really, really where this is going. All right, one more segment left in the program, 866-472-5790 is the call number. My name's Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the financial physician your source for straightforward no-nonsense financial advice call america's money doctor right now it's toll free 1-866-472-5790 you can also log on to our website at www.thefinancialphysician.com now back to lou skatigna all right today we're talking about government shutdown we're talking about the debt ceiling we're talking about obamacare we're talking about how this is affecting financial markets and uh i mentioned earlier that the president came out yesterday and i can't believe i've ever heard any president say anything so disingenuous uh if not an outright lie which i think it was uh at a, pre- a public press conference and i said that he said that the debt ceiling doesn't mean that that's going to go up and like like what well, you know, I tried to play it for you earlier. Uh, I queued it up wrong, but I have it. And you, you got to hear this just to make sure I'm not lying. Financial obligations for the first time in 225 years. And because it's called raising the debt ceiling, I think a lot of Americans think uh, it's raising our debt. 
It is not raising our debt. This does not add a dime to our debt. What? It simply says you pay for what Congress has author already authorized America to purchase, whether that's the greatest military in the world or veterans' benefits or Social Security. Uh, blah, 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 blah. But there he is. He said, could you believe what he said? Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. Every time, we wouldn't be at a new debt ceiling if our debt didn't go up since the last time it was raised. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, does he really believe? You know what? I'm surprised not more people have discussed that sentence. I thought that was the most important sentence in the whole hour press conference as far as being untruthful. I mean, I don't think there's one person, at least in that press conference room, who are not low-information people, believe that by raising the debt ceiling that the debt isn't going to go up. I mean, it's impossible. It just says, well, we're just going to pay what we're ready to approve. No, no, the debt's going to go up the first day the debt ceiling goes up. Because what they've been doing is they've been borrowing from the government pension plan to stay $25 million below the debt ceiling for the last four or five months. And we've had deficits during that time frame. So as soon as the debt ceiling is increased, a check will be written back to the pension plan for the billions, tens of billions of dollars that they borrowed, and the debt will go up immediately. It's beyond absurd for him to say that, the President of the United States, uh, to think that our, the people are that stupid. And most of I guess most of the people are. And, and to say that was just, uh, I just, uh, I don't know what to say. When I, I just, I almost turned it off then, but I had to just watch the rest of it just because I'm a masochist. And for him to hold a, a news conference for an hour and say nothing new except deride the Republicans and call them terrorists and call them uh, taken hostages and ransom and all this other stuff. When meanwhile, every other debt ceiling, the president negotiated with Congress. You're making it sound like it's totally unprecedented. And again, he twice voted uh, against raising the debt ceiling. So, I mean, it just makes you want to pull your hair out. Now, a couple of days ago, uh, the Health and Human Services Secretary, Kath Kathleen Sebelius, uh, she came on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart to talk about Obamacare. Now, first off, why is the Health and Human Ser Services Secretary in charge of Obamacare implementation, which we know is a train wreck, why is she on a comedy show instead of a major news network? Well, I'll tell you the answer. Why is because she's trying to talk to the younger, low-informational voters uh, that will watch The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. This is the way this administration works. It's, it, it's, it's Jay Leno. It's Conan. But it's not Fox News the most uh, watched news network uh, in the country. And something so big and so important as, uh, as healthcare implementation, uh, she goes on uh, the Jon Stewart show. Now, she had a really bad interview. And to his credit, uh, Jon Stewart, I don't agree with most of what he has to say, but to his credit, uh, he, he held her, her feet to the fire on this. Now, at the end of the show, he wound up saying, you know, this is all garbage. We should just have one single payer, the government, and be done with it all. 
But I'm going to play for you a little bit of this interview if you haven't heard it. Uh, I, I just think it's, uh, it, it's, it's just totally mind-blowing. Uh, and you can tell that she's, um, she's been thrown to the wolves here a little bit. So listen to what she has to say. Because we have insurance Wait, we that works. I see. So this, is, this, this Obamacare is for the 15 percent. For the 15 percent who have no insurance at all. Or are How many have signed up thus far? Fully enrolled? I yeah. can't tell you because I don't know. We are taking applications on the web, on the phone. We'll be sure. giving monthly reports. But I can tell you we've had not only lots of web hits, hundreds of thousands of accounts created. We have so it's lots been hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people have signed up. Of accounts created, which means that then they're going to go shopping. John, this is like what? A, a kayak site where you might check out what plane you want to get on. The good news is you don't have to buy it today. You have to have insurance by the 15th of December to have a plan that starts in January. These are individuals. Now, why individuals. Is it, I think a very legitimate criticism of this is that businesses were given a, uh, a delay of a year, but that individuals were not given that option. Why, why is that? Well, business owners who have more than 50 employees, and that's the only business owners who have any responsibility, 95% of them are in the market right now. So a delay doesn't change the market numbers. Individuals have tax credits coming their way, have financial help for the first time, and the market that we are now running is available for them. So that didn't delay, that didn't stop. We've got plans that we know about 6 out of 10 people. All right, so she's saying basically she's... she's not answering the question of how many people signed up for Obamacare, and it's probably 10 uh, at this point. And, and, you know, credit John Stewart for asking the question. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, at the end, she goes, well, he, he said, um, well, why not just delay it for people? He goes, why forcing individuals to go out there and buy it, you know, uh, if they don't want to? Uh, and, and, and this is the way she responded to that. Now let me make sure I cue this up properly, because I didn't do it right last time, but let's try it now. All right, let's see. All right, go there. For a lot of young folks, they're, you know, one fall on the basketball court, one auto accident away from a lifetime of hospital bills they can't pay. <laughs> Still not sure why individuals can't delay. Well, can we come back and ask more questions? Sure. Can I ask the same one? Uh, no, that's chance to get it. And it seems like it could be a good thing. Although, if you're someone like me, you might think, well, healthcare shouldn't be necessarily in a market-based solution anyway, because healthcare doesn't lend itself to market-based solutions because people can't shop for well, they hospitals. Can now. Because well, they can now. They can shop for that's, insurance. Well, except that you can also then figure out if your doctor's in the plan that you want. If the network of hospitals is in the plan you want, All right. you can watch the whole interview basically um, by going on my website, thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, go to the blog and you'll see it there. And uh, it's a mess. The whole country is a mess right now. Uh, it makes many, many people ashamed to be Americans. We're laughing stocks of the world. We're bankrupt. Uh, we're at the verge of a, a total financial collapse. Uh, and Obamacare uh, and uh, the dysfunction in government that we're dealing with now is most likely um, going to take the whole country down. And I've never seen anything like it, and it's terribly depressing.
All right, at the end of our show, it goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit my blog each and every day. Love your emails, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week. And please join me next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Hey, maybe we'll be a day before we breach the debt ceiling. We'll see. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 